pantry. We had a thousand things to do because we're feeding them in that night. Was dinner good, guys? Yeah, yeah? okay, good. It was worth it. Thank you. Well, I got one. Thank you. Must not have been that good. So anyway, so we're driving, right? And I'm really paranoid about running out of gas. So the fact that I ran out of gas was just a little alarming to me. But we're driving, and we're in the left-hand lane. You know, everyone's going fast. And then I realize I'm not going so fast. And I'm like, Lord, what? what's going on? And I look down, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, I'm out of gas. And I look at Teresa, and I'm like, Teresa, I'm so sorry. We're out of gas. And I'm getting my pullover right now. I'm not in a very great spot. I can't obviously go all the way over because I was not going fast enough. So I pull over into the emergency lane on the left-hand side, which, you know, that just screams danger, right? And I'm getting my AAA card out, and I'm thinking, how is he going to get gas on the other side of my car? But that's his problem. He's AAA. And uh, so up, before I can get everything out of my purse, up comes the ADOT emergency response team. And he's like, excuse me, ma'am, is everything okay? And I go, well, embarrassingly enough, I have to tell you, I ran out of gas. And he's like, oh, no worries. The easiest thing I'm going to do today. I'm like, all right. He goes, uh, you know, let me go back to my truck. And then he comes back and he says, okay, I've called for an emergency response or emergency stop of traffic. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I am that woman now. I have really done it. I have made my mark in the highway patrol world, right? So we wait a little bit and they come and stop the traffic. You know, the zigging back and forth. So embarrassing. I got to tell you. I'm glad I didn't know anybody, hopefully, that was passing by. So they zigzag, and they stop the traffic, and the little ADOT guy pushes me over, and Gabe, our son, brings, us, brings me gas. Thank you, Jesus. So from the time we ran out of gas to the time I was driving back down the road, it's about 40, 45 minutes. Now, that's miraculous, isn't it? Well, not even close to what happens later. So now we're on the way to the pantry. Got to get some things done. We're about 45 minutes late. So I finally get to the pantry, and we're doing our things, and we're almost done. And in walks this guy, super jovial, like, hey. And I look at Teresa, and Teresa looks at me, and we look at Ruby, and none of us know him. But he's acting like we know him. And he's like, I've got a trailer out here with some food in it. Needed to see if you want it. And Teresa goes out, and she checks it out. And we're thinking a trailer, you know, like, like behind a pickup truck trailer? No. This guy's got an 18-wheeler out in the two-way turn lane in front of the pantry, which probably is equally unsafe as I was on the freeway, out of gas. And, he, and Teresa goes, Ginger, you're going to want this. This is like, like ready-made produce, like veggie trays and salads, and there's fajita kits. And, I mean, I mean $30,000 worth of produce that was rejected by Walmart. And guess what? If the Lord had not stopped me on the freeway for those 45 minutes, we would have been gone. So don't let, the Lord, let, don't let anybody tell you that when the Lord delays you, he's denying you. He's just holding you up, right? So praise God, right? Isn't that awesome? So that's my, I, I want a running out of gas story like that every time. Because I'll run out of gas every day if it comes with a blessing like that. I'll, that's all right with me. And it wasn't even that hot. So Teresa and I weren't even really breaking a sweat. So praise God. So anyway. But to where I want to go tonight. Okay, so obviously we've all had moments like mine where things aren't quite going the way we'd like them to go, right? Kind of stinks. And sometimes we get frustrated in that, right? And we get blame ourselves and maybe point the finger, a little, little, little bit of negative self-talk going. I'm not proud of it. An idiot for Jesus, yes, we can call ourselves that, like Pastor Barb, but not when we're speaking unkindly about ourselves, right? We can't use it in that manner. It's not right. Or what about, what about when we tell kids, sticks and stones may break our bones, but what? Words will never hurt us. God, how untrue is that? That is so not true. The truth is, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words are going to impact you regardless. So I think to myself, that is so unfair that we do that to kids, right? Because what it does is it affects how they respond to things. And then how they respond to things affects us what they can reach. 
which is where I'm going tonight. So the title of my message is, Our Response Sets in Motion the Potential of Our Reach that He Has Within Us. Okay, I know it's a little long. I'm a wordy person, as you can tell. Okay? Will it be helpful or will it, be, will it hinder us? Okay? So think about that. So as followers of Jesus, we're, we're not issued a get-out-of-trouble-free card, right? We're not. It would be great, but we're not. And in John 16, 33, I'm going to put that up on the, on the screen for us. Jesus tells us the complete opposite of that, in fact. In chapter 16, Jesus is talking with the disciples, and he's going, uh, talks, he's, he's going to be going to his father, and he tells him that the Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to guide you in all truth and in all power using my name, in the name of Jesus. And in verse 33, this is what Jesus tells him. I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Man, if that isn't enough just to rest right here and I can walk off the stage, I did my job, right? Praise God. That's awesome, isn't it? Because that is the truth, the God honest truth. He was, guess what? I had peace on that freeway in the midst of my trouble. And why? Because Jesus gave it to me. So praise God, right? So Pastor Matt always wears his Jesus shirts. He's got like watchmen on right now, right? But I am pretty sure he's probably never come across one that says, in this world you will have trouble. Because that does not sound very inspirational, does it? Does that make you want to, like, get up in the morning and just, woo, do a happy dance? Because I'm going to find trouble today. No, not at all. It does not make you do that at all. But if you go to the last part, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Shouldn't that be inspirational? Couldn't that be inspirational, depending on how we look at it? Perception is so important. So, so important. So our response to the trouble, Jesus is letting us know all too well we are surely going to have, make no mistakes, it sets in motion our reach. So will your response help or hinder your reach, the reach that you have for him? How will our response to trouble affect those that we're reaching for him? The future, if you think about it, right? Now, granted, you know, good things happen, so our response isn't always something we've got to ponder and execute right and search the word for. Sometimes it's, I want to a cheeseburger with no onions. You know what I mean? It's like something like that. We're responding to a question. That's good. So, but let's see this in action. So we're going we're gonna to be in Genesis 37, and we're going to talk about one of my favorite guys, Joseph. Because, man, this is one of the first things I learned when I got born again. And I was like, man, I want to be like Joseph. And then I thought, ooh, I don't know if I want to be like Joseph. I'm going to tell you why. So we find Joseph here, and now he's, a, he's one of many sons of his father, Jacob. Um, and not just any son. He happens to be the favorite son, right? I'm fortunate that I only have one daughter. And, well, I, Matt had children before we married. But in terms of what I gave birth to that I actually got fat for, if you will, I have a, one daughter and one son. So I can say, oh, you're my favorite son. Oh, you're my favorite daughter, right? Although at times they're all my favorite. But nonetheless, I, get, I, get sort, of a, I sort of get a free card, a free pass right there. So praise God for that. So he, but he favored Joseph so much that he gave him this awesome robe. It was amazing. And his brothers were not happy. They were really ticked off. And so you ask yourself, how did they respond to being so upset about this favoritism that Joseph is uh, being shown? And in verse, it's 37 verse 4, it says, When his brothers saw their father that loved him more than any of them, they hated him. And could not speak eat a kind word to him. How sad. Man, I'm glad that my sisters always can speak a kind word to me. That there's not jealousy and resentment like Joseph is experiencing here. Because that's hurtful, right? 
That's going to hinder someone's reach, isn't it? For sure. Definitely not helpful because hate never is. And hindering sometimes isn't always obvious at the beginning, right? Then Joseph had a dream in verse 5. I, they don't have this, but I'll just, in case you're following along, about his brothers. And he says, man, I'm going to be so great. I'm going to be up here, and you're going to be down there bound down to me. And what do you think that made his brothers do? Like him more? No, they made him hate him just a little bit more. Okay, how sad. So Joseph yet had another dream, and in this dream there was the sun and the moon, and there were some stars, right? And that represented his family. So not only did he have a dream about his brothers bowing down to him, but in the end everyone would come, and Joseph would be elevated in a position, and he would have his family before him. So I want to take you back to the robe that his father gave him. Because in this time frame, when someone gave a robe or something like that, it was a symbol or a representation of favor, which, of course, we already know he was his favorite, okay? But it also was of authority. It represented both of those things. So what jo the robe represents that Jacob already knew, I believe in his heart, that Joseph what had the favor of God and had his authority in a different way than the rest of his sons. And, I, and, and you know, and fathers and mothers, they see those kinds of things in their children. If you see those kinds of things, man, speak to them. Awaken them. Don't leave them dormant. It may cause a little bit of strife, and it may cause someone to be jealous, but it doesn't mean it shouldn't have life, right? So speak that. So... The dream was, it made his brothers really more jealous. And what did they do? They hated him a little bit more. So it's not going so great for Joseph. Poor guy, I feel so bad. Things are not going well at all for Joe in the robe, as I wrote here. He definitely isn't feeling any brotherly love, for sure. So his dad would send Joseph out because his brothers tended the flock, you know, off and about. So Joseph would be sent out to check on what was going on. Now, I don't know about you. But I didn't like it when my mom would send my sister checking up on me. Just one more reason why his brothers probably didn't like him a whole lot. Poor Joe, he's not catching any breaks here at all. So he heads out to, to uh, find them. And when his brothers see him coming off in the distance, they say, oh, here comes the dreamer, right? Because they're not happy about it. What are we going to do to him? Let's, let's do something to him. I'm really tired of this guy. I want to do something to him. So they start to talk about it, and they decide that they're going to kill him. Well, let's just go right for the jugular, right? We're just going to go for all the money. Throw him, and throw him in the well and blame a ferocious animal for taking his life. That's what we'll do. But his brother Reuben tried to rescue him in a way. Not sure. I'm sure he had some alternative motives in this family. I think there were a lot of them, right, when it came around, centered around Joseph. He told his brothers, let's not take his life or shed his blood. Just throw him in the well in the wilderness. Don't lay a hand on him. Do you think maybe Reuben might have even sensed the favor and authority that Joseph had? that the Lord had placed upon him? You have, to, you have to ask yourself. Reuben must have been pretty convincing, though, to his brothers because that's what they did. They threw him, and they went about eating, but they did take his robe, of course, right? Because that was the thing that started the whole hate him a little bit more thing, right? So he took his robe, um, but fortunately where they threw him, the well was empty. Hey, things are looking up for Joe, right? At least he's not drowning in the well because that is exactly what could have happened. So his brothers are eating, and they see a caravan off in the distance with some Ishmaelites coming, and they're heading off to Egypt. So Judah, he's sort of the businessman of the group, maybe the entrepreneur, right? He's maybe been reading some marketing books out there while he's tending the sheep. I don't know. But he says to them, hey, we're not going to gain anything by killing him or just leaving him. Let's sell him as a slave to the Ishmaelites. 
So the deal is made, and they sell Joseph for just 20 shekels of silver. And just like that, Joseph, who thought he was coming to check on his brothers and head home, was off to Egypt. God had a different plan, even though his brothers right here think they had a different plan. But we know better. But now the brothers, so they're, they're, now they have to think about, how am I going to explain this to dad? Oh, man, Reuben, what are we going to do? Judah, what are we going to do? And they decide that they slaughter a goat, and they dip the robe, and they're going to say, oh, this is, what they, this is what they do say. They say, Father, you know, Father, we found this on the road. Do you recognize it? They take it back to, to Jacob. And he's like, oh, that's the robe of my son. Oh, my gosh, what has happened to him? And he starts to mourn, and he tears his clothes, and he's just grieving, and he's devastated. He's rocked to the core of his being because this is the favored one. This is the one that would be placed in authority, and now he's gone. So Jacob's heart is troubled, right? We will have trouble, won't we? Mm. So we find Joseph later in chapter 39, now a slave, and he has been taken and sold into the house of Potiphar, who was a captain in Pharaoh's army. So I guess if you're going to be a slave somewhere, at least it was a nice house, right? So in, <laughs> I'm just saying, if you got to go there, right? So in verse 2, I think they have it up there. Yes, it says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and lived in the house of his Egyptian master. He prospered? He had just been rejected by his brothers, stripped of his robe, and sold as a possession. Does that look prosperity to you? Because that does not look like prosperity to me. That looks like rock bottom, my pockets are empty, and I don't know what I'm going to do. But that is not what it says. But in Genesis 39, 2, it says he prospered. That's, that's what it says. How does he prosper? Because in our greatest pain and in our greatest trouble, God is always with us. Right? And why was he prospering? Because God was with him. And his father knew it. So praise God. Joseph finds favor with Potiphar because his master saw the Lord within him. Isn't that awesome? Even, even this army guy, this guy that's throws around the rules and the consequences, he sees that God is upon him. So it must have been, I mean, it must have walked in the room before him. And he is raised up and placed over all the affairs of his house. Potiphar tells him, all that I have is under your care. Once again, Joseph has favor and authority. Isn't that awesome? Things are looking up for Joe in the robe right now, except he doesn't have his robe yet. Things are good until Potiphar's wife takes notice of this cute young thing that has moved into his house. Joseph says, no way, Jose, my master has given me charge over everything except you, and I am not going there because it's not righteous. It'd be evil in the eyes of the Lord, and no means no, right? That's what he said. But then she catches him alone, and she, of course, presents herself to him yet again, and he takes off. I mean, he's running for the hills, literally, like he's probably done before when he would go find his brothers, right? He's been there before. And as he's fleeing, she grabs his robe because, you know, he, he did get a robe when he came back, right? So we had a robe. We lost a robe. We came in without a robe. We got a robe. Now the robe's been ripped off our back. Do you see, like, a trend here right here? Favor and authority. It's like, right? Is it still there? Just because we don't see it and we don't have it doesn't mean it's not there, Okay? Praise God. So Potter's wife, she's aren't now, but now she's got his robe, right? So now she's got evidence. So she goes to her husband and she says, that Hebrew you brought in here, look what he did. He presented himself, wanted to make sport of me. And what do you think Potiphar does? He gets honked off, as we would say, right? 
Verse 17 said that the Hebrew slave you brought us came to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his robe beside and he ran, ran from the house. Ooh, Potiphar was upset. And so he sent Joseph to the prison. But he didn't send him just to any prison. It says that he sent him to the king's, he sent him where the king's prisoners were confined. So that's got to be like the country club of prisons maybe? So even in Joseph's confinement, he's got favor, right? He's got the favor because I'm sure that was, you know, maybe not the Taj Mahal, but certainly wasn't like, you know, what we've got downtown, right, the tents in the heat, just saying. So rejected, sold, falsely accused, and now in prison. Say, but God. Awesome. Genesis 39, 20 through 22. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the who? Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge over all those held in prison, and he made him responsible for all that was done there. Wow. Notice that, you know, I want you to really remember that it was the place where the, the king's bad guys went, okay? Because this is important. The warden, it says in verse 23, the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. If there's one thing I always remembered after I read this story once is that the Lord was everywhere in this. Just like he's everywhere you are. He's every, in everything you do. He's in everything you don't do too. So think, you don't want to miss it, right? Say laser focused, right? So take, this is like take two for Joseph, right? Because now he's got authority. Now he's got favor. Maybe in prison he doesn't have the robe. But he's probably got better, you know, a better uniform than the other guys maybe. Because he's in charge, right? So here he is again being elevated in the midst of man. Or in this case actually woman, right? <laughs> Technically. Attempting to keep him down. Man, it was just trying, trying, trying time and time and time again. Why? Because the Lord was with Joseph and they knew it. When he entered Potiphar's house and the Lord was with him, and when he enters prison, the Lord is still even with him. Take, what does it say, 1633? What did I say in John? Take heart, I have overcome the world. I know we're talking about Old Testament, but you know what? I feel like Jesus is in every page of the Old Testament. Praise God. It's just a telling of what's going to happen. So remember the robe? Remember that thing we talked about a little bit? A sign of, and representation of favor and authority? Man kept trying to take it, but God... There it is again, but God kept giving it back. When God gives us something, guys, when he gives us something, ultimately man cannot take it. Praise God. I am so grateful for that, right? Now, can we give it to man? Yeah, we can. But does man have the authority to take it from us? He does not. And that is just, that's good news in itself. Genesis 40, we jump to, and here two of the Pharaoh's officials come into the prison. You guys probably know this, the cupbearer and the baker, right? They messed up. They did something wrong. So they're in prison, and they're there for a while. And, of course, you know, everyone's under Joseph's charge, so they're hanging out with Joseph. He's talking to him one morning, and he's like, man, you guys seem kind of troubled. What's going on? And they said, well, we had these dreams, and we don't know what they mean, and they're really troubling to us. And so he says, well, tell me. And they're like, oh, you can, you can tell me. You can tell me what they mean. And basically what he tells them is, I can't tell you what they mean, but the power of God can tell you what they mean. So Joseph is quick to give, what, credit to God, right? And that's something that's important. So they tell him the dreams, and Joseph says, man, Mr. Baker, it does not look good for you. The impalement's going to come. 
But the cupbearer, he says, in three days you're going to be restored to your full position. You're going to be back in the palace, and things are going to be great for you. Do me this one thing. When all goes well for you, like I have said, remember me and show me kindness. Right? Mention me to the pharaoh and get me out of this prison because I'm not supposed to be here because I did not touch that woman. Right? Joseph was right, but the cupbearer didn't remember him. It happened just as Joseph said, but it didn't matter. So in Genesis 41, we kind of skip forward here. Days pass, months pass, a year passes. Now it's two years, right? Two years has happened. And one night, Pharaoh has a dream. Not just one, but he has two. And he wakes up and he is troubled. He does not understand. So he calls everybody in and says, oh, you got to tell me what this means. Please tell me what this means because it means something because this was a scary dream. And they're like, uh, uh, no one, no one can interpret it. No one can give him an understanding to the dream. And guess who has a light bulb go off in their head? The cupbearer. Ding! Hey, I know somebody. It was my friend in prison. Oh, now he's a friend. Before he was the forgotten. Now he's a friend. All right, but we'll let that go. So he says, I got this friend, and he can interpret your dream, but he's in prison. You got to get him out of prison. Pharaoh's like, I'm Pharaoh. Let's go. Let's go get him. So they, they get him all cleaned up. And they present him. He comes before um, Pharaoh, and he says, hey, Pharaoh says, hey, I hear you can interpret dreams. And in verse 16, 41, 16, he says, I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. So if, if you really desire the truth, God will give it to you. But you've got to want it, right? And Pharaoh, he was so troubled, he wanted to know. So his heart was right, ready for the plucking, if you will. So by the power of God, Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream. Seven years of feast, most of you probably know, and of the greatest fruit crops, it would be amazing, so much food, more than we could even eat, right? And then it would be followed by seven years of the worst, severest salmon, or salmon, that's funny, huh, famine. (laughs) I must be hungry, right? Famine ever known to the world. That's funny. I'm going to remember that for sure. (laughs) And he told Pharaoh, what you need to do is you need to prepare. God is a God of preparation, isn't he? God, in fact, he rewards preparation, doesn't he? Amen. So he, he, he says, tells him that's what you've got to do because in the time, Egypt's going to be depending on you and so is all the known world, okay? So Pharaoh was pleased with the plan that Joseph laid out before him based on what the Lord, the power, the power of God had showed him, but he needed to appoint someone to oversee this, right? Execute the plan, if you will. He had now Mind you, he has all these people around him, right, that couldn't interpret the dream. But I'm just saying, they still were. Question in Genesis 41, 37. Can we find anyone like this man? And he's talking about Joseph. One in whom is the spirit of God? Oh, there it is again. God is with him. Now, Joseph has just come out of prison, mind you. He probably, his hair might even still be wet from the shower he got. I don't know. And he places Joseph in authority. He says, Joseph, I put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And he took his signet ring. I mean, that is like sort of his identity, isn't it? That's huge. And he says, takes off his finger and he gives it to him. And he dresses him in, wait for it, robes. Not just one robe. It says robes. Okay? That is important here. Notice that for sure, that it is plural. Because we serve a God that restores. Right? Amen. Joseph didn't just get a robe, he got his robes back. Because God gives you, when God gives you something, man cannot take it from you, right? 
Oh, so exciting. It gets me excited. So he's forgotten. He's discarded. He's rejected by his family, by his master, by his friend in prison. But he was never forgotten, and he was never discarded, and he was never rejected by God. But you know what else? He never rejected God. He never forgot God, right? He never discarded God. Mm, It's a two-way street, isn't it? Instead, he what prospered? He was granted favor. He was given great authority in the midst of what most of us would call some huge T-R-O-U-B-L-E, right? For sure. Remember the verse from the beginning? Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. He didn't say may. He was basically promising you, it's coming. Get ready. But I are not alone. I'm going to be right there with you. Who I, I loved it. I, I'm, I handle trouble much better when I am not alone. Anybody else? Right? Spiders aren't as big. Rats aren't as fast. Right? I'm just saying, right? Movies still are as scary. I'm just being honest. But nonetheless, <laughs> these things, though, we go, so that's, that's, I just love that verse. I mean, I could hang that, on that verse all the time. These things happening should not be our focus or our concern. Really shouldn't be. Our focus should be on how we are going to respond to it. I bet you thought I was never going to get to that word respond that I said at the beginning, right? Hey, I'm right here. Okay, I didn't lose eyes. I don't want people to see me in the midst of my struggle. I want God to see, I want people to see God in the midst of my struggle so that God can prosper, right? So that he can grant favor, right? And so that he can give me the courage to use the authority I have because Jesus overcame the world, right? Woo, that's good stuff right there. Joseph, Joseph's life's moving right along. It's not going to stop for us right here, right? He keeps moving along, and he has a couple kids. I'm so happy for Joe. He's got a family now. He's been through a lot, though. Boy, I don't know how many people would want to bring children into this whole thing, this dynamic he's been having, but he did. I found myself wondering, though, sometimes, what was Joseph really thinking about all the things that had happened to him? I mean, you know, one of these things, eh, okay. Two of these things, but three of these things? Are you kidding me right now? I mean, that's like a lot, right? So I, I stopped and I noticed what he named his sons. And I looked at the verses. And in Genesis 41, 51, it says, Joseph named his first son Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. Whoa, right? In Hebrew, Manasseh means causing to forget or to become unmindful. God, in the midst of our trouble, can cause us to be unmindful to the pain. That's what allows us to get past it, right? God gave Joseph the ability to be unmindful of the hardship that his own family had caused him. And that's a different kind of hardship, isn't it, guys? It's different when your family wrongs you. I mean, it's not great when a friend wrongs you, I'm just saying. But when your family wrongs you, ah, That just cuts, I'm sorry, a little bit deeper. Or maybe it's not one cut, it's actually two. I don't know. But it hurts in a whole different way. But it put in motion, what was put in motion by his brother's response to their jealousy and hatred towards him, right? God, he found God was able to release him of that. Isn't that beautiful? And then we go to verse 52. The second son he named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. He's acknowledging, Duke, I have suffered. 
I'm not, I'm not trying to stand here and tell you I haven't suffered. I'll be the first one. I'm going to raise my hand right here. I'll raise both of them. I have suffered. There's Joseph right in the back of the classroom. I've suffered. I can hear him calling out, right? Whoa. But it's just a lot of suffering. In, he, in Hebrew, from the made, means to be made, made me fruitful. That's actually what it means. God has made me fertile in the land of my affliction in another translation, which is actually ugh, a little deeper. When the people of Egypt thought of Joseph, they didn't think. They thought of a respected man, right? A wealthy guy, a lot of prosperity. This about the man who had been sold into slavery. This about the man that had been imprisoned. This about the man that had been forgotten. Yet because the Lord was with him, Potiphar saw it. The warden saw it. And Pharaoh saw it. They saw that he had the Lord's favor and authority. And if we respond in such a way that glorifies that, then that's what they'll see in us too, okay? He had all of this in Egypt. Now, this I thought really interesting. In Hebrew, the word Egypt actually means a place of confinement and limitation. Wow, right? That's what I said, Pastor Bob. I said, wow, yet this is exactly where Joseph thrived. This is where Joseph was fruitful in a land of confinement and limitation. Man, if Joseph can thrive here, And if Joseph can find his way by allowing God to be in the midst of everything, how much easier should it be for us to find our way when we already have grace, right? Because this is a time Joseph didn't have the grace, right? He just sort of had some rules, didn't he, right? Out of our greatest pain, God can bring the greatest of testimonies. Out of our greatest response to our trouble, God can extend our reach, ultimately his reach, beyond anything we could think or imagine. Out of pain, God brings purpose, and out of trouble, he brings wisdom, right? And who doesn't need another little dose of wisdom, right? So, of course, now we're to the famine, and the famine hits really super hard, and Joseph's doing his thing, his plan, he's executing his plan, it's working, it's great, everybody's coming and getting food, and guess who comes before him? Dun, 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 his brothers, right? But guess what? They don't recognize him but he recognizes them. So right there, Joseph has got to make a choice of how he's going to respond, doesn't he? So Joseph called them out as being spies and said, you're coming to check things out? I don't like that. And he locks them up for a minute in in prison. Just Just for a minute, though. Nothing like those two years he had to do, right? And eventually he allows the brothers to return home except for one. He keeps one, and they remain in prison until... They, they honor his request, which was come back with your youngest brother, Benjamin, because that was Joseph's only full brother. The rest of them, you know, you know in those days they had lots of wives. So there were, you know, one dad, lots of moms, okay? So that was his one true brother, and he wanted to see Benjamin. So off they go, and they go to Jacob, and they tell him um, everything that happened. And, they, and Jacob says, uh, no way, Jose, you are not taking Benjamin because Joseph went off with you, and he didn't come back. So I'm not doing this again. I have wisdom. Uh, No one's going anywhere. Everyone's staying right here. So that's sort of what happens. But then, of course, you know, the grain only lasts for so long, and we get hungry. I mean, what is there? Eleven boys, right? They're hungry. So it takes uh, Judah. Remember, he was the business guy reading the marketing books out in the field. He finally convinced Jacob to send Benjamin, and he swears, Dad, I will take care of him. I will bring him back to you. He will be okay. He promises. So off they go to Egypt to get something to eat. Okay, when they arrive and Joseph has them taken to his house and he has a meal prepared for them. And, you know, there's a little bit, I'm sure, fellowship, but still he does not reveal who he is. 
He's just having, I mean, breaking bread with them. It's all good, breaking some bread. Then he loads them up with grain, and he says, remember, Benjamin has to stay. And Judah pleads, oh, please. No, my dad said, I have to bring my brother back. This is not going to be good for me. You don't understand my dad. And Joseph's probably thinking, yes, I do understand your dad. And so what happens is he, uh, Joseph, sa- or Joseph says, everyone out of here. And he's left alone with his brothers. He clears the room, and it's just him and them. They've been there before, haven't they? But this time, it's going to end up a little bit different. In Genesis 45, verse 3, it says, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? And they are shook to their core. They are like, what? They're probably thinking, you are who? This is not happening, right? But it was happening. And in verses 4 through 6, it says, come close to me. And when they had, he says, I am your brother Joseph. Now listen really close here. The one you sold into Egypt. Now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves. Man, what grace. For selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Wow. Man, I want to have that kind of perspective when someone has wronged me, right? I'm just saying, throwing me in a dry well. I'm just saying, that wasn't any good. But look at what it says there. It doesn't say the one you sold into slavery, does it? It says the one you sold into Egypt. Joseph never even saw himself as a slave. I think Joseph saw himself on a mission, right? Isn't that, that's so good, right? He was on a mission. But what must have Judah been thinking in that moment? I just have to ask myself, right? <laughs> he didn't say, Joseph didn't say, I'm second in charge. What did he say? I'm your brother. He didn't say the one you sold into slavery. He said the one you sold into Egypt. Mm. And in verse 8, it says, so then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. God sent me here. Our response allows God to send us. Mm. Thank you, Jesus, for that, which is exactly where we are as a church right here, right? We are called to be the sent. We are called to be those that go out. That is, that is what is going to build the kingdom, right? And that is what this church is called to do, to equip, right, to equip the saints, Praise God. He very easily could have said, should have listened to me, eh? to the dreamer, because guess who's bowing now? But he didn't, right? I mean, although that might have been kind of funny for Joseph, but he didn't say that because he just had such compassion, right, and such love for his brothers. I'm sure all those years he was longing for knowing what was happening in their lives. Because, I mean, in this, you can hear he does not have bitterness. He does, he does not have anger or resentment. He just had a, had a longing probably to know. Just like God, and Jesus has a longing to know you, right? So Joseph tells him, now go get dad. And he kissed all of his brothers, even Judah, the bad businessman, on the head, and off they went. But before sending them, actually, he told them something, which I thought was so sweet of him. He says in verse 24, don't quarrel on the way. Don't quarrel on the way. In other words, don't point fingers. Don't do it. Don't blame anyone because it's not going to change anything, right? He was telling them to have grace. He was telling, him, telling them something that he didn't even have, but yet he was able to extend to them. For each other, have grace for each other. Don't be mindful of sending me here. Be unmindful. Remember? 
He gave him the capacity to forget. He very easily could have done that, but he didn't. And in Genesis 50, 20, it says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I want to embrace the things before me with this kind of focus, with this kind of concern, because all it's going to do is extend his reach that he's able to give me for him. And that's all I want. John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Please take heart. I have overcome the world. Joseph's response changed everything. Everything. He put so many things in motion, and his reach is still moving because you're all sitting right here. Right? Think about that for a minute. This is in Genesis where it all began, but this is exactly why we're all right here. Oof. I brought Kleenex up here because I was looking over this. I started to get a little weepy, so I'm just being really honest. I am a weepy willow, but. So we're all sitting right here, right? We are his reach. If you trace back the family line of Jesus, it goes to King David, which goes back to Judah. And Joseph let him live. Jesus' family line was birthed through that broken, unkind, crazy situation to you. And we sit here together because of it. Isn't that beautiful? That's so awesome. Joseph's response sets in motion his reach today. So what is our reach going to be, right? The people here tonight are here because God was with Joseph, right? That's why we're here. I think about the pantry. It was a struggle for Pastor Matt and I to say yes to that when God brought it to us. But he needed a response, right? Here, something comes to us. I'm not going to say it was trouble. I would say it was troubling because it was huge. And I had never even worked in food service. So what did I know about running a food pantry? He had only worked at McDonald's a 1,000 years ago. No, just kidding. But a long time ago, right? That wasn't very nice, right? A long time ago, what did we know? about? I didn't even have a food handler's card, for heaven's sakes. What did I know, right? But we struggled with it and we toyed with it. And then we saw God start to move in it in spite of us not even responding yet. And so we said yes. And there are people sitting in this room tonight that bless my life all the time because we said yes to the pantry. So my response has affected their reach to me. So know that it's not always just what you're going to reach when you respond. Sometimes it's about how you're going to be reached by your response. You know, last week we, we have the missionaries come in. You know, the pantry is like, there's all kinds of faith going on there, I'm just telling you. It's not all on the ex- exact same page. It is all rooted in the fact that Jesus died on the cross and that we're going to heaven if we believe in him. The ABCs, you know, here's the children's pastor and me coming out. If you accept, you believe, and you confess, you're going. So um, there's a lot, there's all kinds of difference. I mean, we have, uh, Neil actually is here, I think, tonight, and he's Jewish, and we have Sarah, who's actually a Buddhist, and on Wednesday, we are manned, probably 80% manned, by the LDS Church, Latter-day Saints, and last week, they came in, and they said, hey, there were only two of them. I'm like, oh, there's just two of you. What's going on? Something going on? You guys got, they got big bit of big event going on? And they're like, well, things were said. I was like, ew, that did not sound good. Things were said. So he says, we'll talk. And I'm like, okay. Now, he's like really big guy, Elder White. I mean, he's huge. He's probably 6'3". He's really, really big. So I'm like, okay, we'll talk. So later, they're in the walk-in, and I go into the walk-in, and I said, so things were said. What does that mean, Elder White? 
I've got to know. Inquiring minds want to know. Nosy Pastor Ginger wants to know. And he said, well, they said that we have to be always spreading the word of Jesus. And I said, all right. And he said, and we can't prophesize here, so we, they told us that we have to reprioritize our time and we're not going to be able to come to the pantry because they are very respectful that we stay with what we have in common. There's actually a verse in the Bible that says, embrace those of weaker faith, right? Do not quarrel about your differences of opinion. I want to say it's in Romans. Don't quote me. I'm not, I'm, I'm not that kind of recaller. But um, it's, a great, it's a great verse for us to stand on at the, at the pantry. We have to. Because guess what? It takes a lot of hands and a lot of feet to feed the people that he's called us to feed. And nowhere did he tell us when we responded yes that they had to already know him. Right? So I'm just saying, it is talk about a mission field. We got a whole parking lot with potholes and probably landmines and all kinds of things going on out there. All right? So it's just awesome that I know, like, Gussie's here, I think. I can't see. It's, it's dark out there. Oh, and Sandy's over there. Ms. Wanda's over there. These are all Bill and Olivia, which we knew from Pastor Say. Funny little side note here. We used to say, oh, this is Bill and Olivia, a Pastor Say's sister and brother-in-law. And then after a while, I said, I started to say, and I'm like, no, these are Bill and Olivia. These are my friends because they don't just belong to Pastor Say. So, but, I mean, so, so many relationships have been birthed out of the yes. And not just for us. I mean, they have relationships with my mother-in-law. They come to women's things here, and they're just amazing people. But if we had not said yes, guess what? I may have never encountered Wanda. And if I hadn't encountered beautiful Miss Wanda back there, I would have never met Gussie. Or Sandy. And is that, who's that back? Sue. That's it. Sue's back there. I would have never, I would have never met them. And what's super, super precious is Teresa and I were friendly when we worked in classrooms together because they volunteered at school. But one day when the pantry was starting, I'm cruising on out after dropping Nate off at school. And I see Teresa. I'm like, hey, what's going on? She goes, where are you going? I said, I'm going to the pantry. She goes, oh, what's the pantry? And so I tell her. And she's like, okay, well, let's go. And I'm like, you're going to come with me? She goes, yeah, I've been looking for some purpose. And I'm like, praise God, because I need two hands. So, and she was with me for a long time. And then, you know, we all have seasons, right? A little bit of season. But guess what? Someone has to go away. Someone is not going to be available to me as readily. And guess who says, you know what? I feel like the Lord tugging at my heart to come back to the pantry. God meets our need when we allow him to be in the midst of the things that we do, right? And the things and the places that we go. It's, it's true. I'm, we are a walking testimony of that for sure. But I think about Joseph's response to the things that he encountered and what it meant for his reach. And I thought of Bishop. Because without Bishop, we wouldn't have Pastor Barb. None of us would be here. Just in this place. I mean, we're here, ultimately, you know, Joseph started the whole thing. But if Bishop had not said yes and been obedient and been fully committed. I mean, full-hearted committed. I mean, he, he became a diehard lover of Jesus overnight, which doesn't happen for most of us. Raising my hand, took me a minute, but I'm just saying, if he had not been obedient, we would not be here today. We wouldn't have the foxes here because we wouldn't have Titus, right? We wouldn't. We wouldn't have Pastor Paul and Jen because they wouldn't have moved to Arizona. I would have never met them because they probably would still be in Beloit maybe. I don't know. It's possible, Right? We wouldn't have ever seen Kale doing his rocker leg on the stage, right? We would, have, we would have missed all of that, right? We would have never been able to stand in agreement with one another, right? We would have never been able to plant seeds in the souls of children. None of those things would have happened. 
man, that would have been really sad. It would have been empty, and it would have been lonely, and it wouldn't have been prosperous. It wouldn't have had favor, right? And it certainly would not have glorified the authority that he's given us. It wouldn't have done any of those things. Giving us an opportunity to make faith builders our home is what Bishop did when he said yes to Jesus so many years before. And when we came to faith builders, we were in some T-R-O-U-B-L-E. I'm just saying. I mean, not us. We've always been blissfully happy in marriage. Actually, actually, it's been great. But we, were, we had some trouble. There was some trouble, right? You know how many kids give you trouble, right? Raise your hand if anybody can agree with me. Kids give us trouble, right? So there was some trouble right there in River City. And uh, we came to faith builders and prayed our way through it. Came to the altar and had people agree with us that that, that attack was not going not gonna to stand. And that there would be liberation in it. And there would be freedom. And we would step beyond it. And we would not get over it. But we would become unmindful of the sting, right? Praise God. Manasseh, right? I'm going to speak Manasseh to my problems. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So right now, I think this is an awesome time for us to see if there's anybody that wants to help Joseph extend his reach, right? Because this is what we're here for today to ensure that all of us can leave here right, right? With the Lord, not with each other. It's not about that. But are we right with him, right? So I'm asking everybody to bow their head. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father God, for tonight. Thank you for this opportunity, Father God. Whew. If that is you tonight, coming to the Lord for the first time or recommitting your responses to further the reach you have for the kingdom with everyone's head bowed, if you could just shoot your hand up, I would so appreciate it. Thank you, Father God. Fruit and preparation, Lord. And then we're all going to pray. Father God, I commit my life to you. I receive your son, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and my shortcomings. And Lord, fill me with your presence and power so that my responses may be rooted in your love and full of your favor and covered in your authority. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, give it up for those people that did that tonight. Praise the Lord. And I didn't have to use my Kleenex. Oh, I was crying, though, when I was talking about those missionaries. It broke my heart. Broke my heart. Because some people would have been like, oh, they don't get to come help you. That just doesn't make any sense. And it would have been coming from that place, which... I'm, three years ago, that probably would, I would have been probably that someone. You know what I mean? But it grieved my heart for them that they weren't going to be able to be part of that. Because at the pantry, we're witnessing to them at what, about what it is to be saved without works. Mm. We're evidence of grace. That, that, not that they, they love Jesus. Don't misunderstand me. They love Jesus. And they're awesome and full of respect. But I want them to have the fullness that he has for them. And so that, that I'm literally, I cried. I'm like, Matt, they said they're not coming back. And I was like, oh, breaks my heart. It broke his heart too. So I'm like, okay, you know, when you have that kind of response to your labor force being ripped out from underneath you, you know God's in it, right? I'm just saying. So praise God. Thank you for tonight, Lord Jesus. It was awesome. So we have service on Sunday, right? 
9 and 10.30. Uh, growth tracks on Sunday. Oh, Friday night. Oh, not Friday night is the Golden Girls. Woo, 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 because it's the 23rd Golden Girls. And then next Friday, plug for myself and my husband, we got the marriage going on. So if you have not been, you better show up in a big way, I'm just saying, because I don't want to cook all.